Jimmy Barnes, he sure is. It's 11 past seven. Leave for breakfast, the Darling Downs 864 Triple M. And uh, the new album is out, and it's a beauty too, Flesh and Blood. Uh, you can check that out. There's a cookbook out as well. He's got a children's book coming out. Absolutely unbelievable. Right now, though, uh, before we get to birthdays on 13353, it's time to delve into the dark recesses of the mind of producer Merrill. It's the M Files. So, Lee, there was some advice you gave me when I started in this radio gig a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to to succeed, you said, I must always laugh at your jokes. That's right. Don't show off my lefty, feminist, greeny side any more than necessary. No. And never utter one of those three words which would guarantee an instant plug pull on your show. Of course. You know the three, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, it's the last of these instructions that's been the hardest for me to follow. As an old school journo who drinks like a fish and swears like a trooper... I just find some situations and some people really deserve a rousing, heartfelt F-bomb. However, the urge to go hard on the bidden D-word over the past week has proved particularly challenging to me, Lee. Yeah. As the world has watched the race between three of the richest men on the planet fly their private rockets into space, I know two words have come to my mind frequently. Small and the one that starts with D. (laughs) Because what else would explain the need to board oversized phallic symbols with pornographic names like Blue Origin, Virgin Galactica and SpaceX that spew forth enormous flames unless it was to compensate for having extremely tiny appendages elsewhere? In my despair to find a substitute for the words that I'm not allowed to say, I turned to you as the font of all wisdom. And sure enough, you gave me some great suggestions. Can't Um, say any of them either. Actually gave them to me just a little too quickly, I feel. (laughs) Some of my particular favourites included Centimetre Peter, Weenus, Micro Schlong, Puny Pecker, Tinky Winky, Half Inch Hero, Baby D and Hung Like a Gerbil. (laughs) Any of them would be very adequate descriptors for Richard Branson, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos right about now. Of course, ask any of them and they will justify their weenie willy behaviour quite vehemently. Pioneers of the new frontier, they are calling themselves, as if they are John Wayne riding into the Wild West to save some fair maiden from the Indians. <laughs> I guess I would ask them, though, how they can each justify spending more than a million bucks on a flight to a new frontier when the existing frontier is riddled with COVID, starvation, and a climate change crisis. I'm pretty sure the people of Ethiopia don't give a flying F-bomb about how close Mr Branson gets to the moon. Mm -mm. Here's some facts I would love to share with these three blokes, Lee, if they could be diverted away from their peckers long enough to pay me attention. Curing world hunger right now would cost $7 Vaccinating every single person in the world against COVID would cost $45 bucks. Stemming the very worst impacts of climate change would cost about $1.6 trillion, and abolishing child poverty would cost $75 billion. Yep, big bucks. Bucks which these blokes have plenty of, especially if they team up with their other obscenely rich mates. But I wonder, Lee, if any of them have enough big dick energy to actually make it happen. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that word. 
Always plenty to talk about when we catch up with the CEO of Toowoomba Surratt Mason Enterprise, Ali Davenport. Uh, Ali joins me for breakfast this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. All right. Now, uh, a couple of things to talk about. I, I want to hear about your new magazine. But before yes. that, uh, your thoughts on the possibility of an NRL fixture happening here in the Garden City. There's talk it may happen uh, during August with one of these Sunday afternoon clashes. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be incredible. We all love NRL in this region. Well, most people do. And uh, that would be incredibly exciting. But the economic benefits from bringing a, a, uh, an NRL game here would be out of this world. Yeah. So we know that pre-season games have, have contributed almost a million dollars to our economy. So just imagine what, a, a, what an actual fixture might actually do. So very exciting. Fingers crossed on that one. All right. Uh, let's talk about this new magazine. Uh, it's called Live Toowoomba or is it Live yes. Toowoomba? No, it's Live Toowoomba. <laughs> you can call it whatever you like, but yes, it's Live Toowoomba. And it's all about attracting skilled workers to our region. Okay. So, yeah, the, uh, the Regional Australia Institute has done a study and they've showed that about one in five people that live in a metro market are considering a move to a regional area. And we want those people with the skills that we need and with, there's plenty of skilled workers that we need with our unemployment so low. So we've put together this magazine. It's about the third iteration of it and it's pretty, it's pretty good. So it's all about how do we get these skilled people here? So what we've done is we've answered a lot of the questions that people have about moving to an area. So shall I go through those questions? Absolutely. Yeah, so first of all, people think when they're thinking of moving to a regional area, they'll say, well, what type of job can I get? So in the magazine, we talk about the, um, the growth that's going to happen in our region and new industries that are coming, but also the interesting jobs and interesting, um, uh, you know, cool jobs that we've got actually at the moment. And uh, so we talk about some, you know, some of the things like we've got, um, we've got insect biologists here and We've got um, food technology. So we look at all the interesting jobs that are available now, but also the ones that are available in the future. And then the next question that people ask is, well, where will the kids go to school? So yes. then we focus on our education sector and the great um, primary schools and high schools, but also TAFE and University of Southern Queensland as well. And then the next question people ask themselves if they're going to move is they say, well, what if the family gets sick? So then we talk about our health sector and how great it is. And then, of course, they ask, well, what am I going to do on the weekends and where can I get a decent cup of coffee? So we talk about the entertainment that you can get up to on the weekend, but also our food and cafes. So it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty good magazine. We also talk about housing as well. And obviously, we do have a housing issue at the moment. Yeah. But it normally, it normally takes people about two to three years to actually have, have a thought in their head and then make that decision to actually move. So um, we're working with council and obviously the Queensland government and the federal government are looking at housing. Um, so by, the, by two to three years' time, when people are starting to really make that decision, we want to be front of mind. We, wanna, we want people to consider coming to Toowoomba. Well, it is a beautiful place to be for mine. It is the best city in the country and we are very lucky to be here uh, and I can understand why many people want to come here as well. Uh, Live Toowoomba is the magazine put out yes. by Toowoomba Surratt Basin Enterprise. The CEO is Ali Davenport. As always, thank you for your time this thank morning. Thank you. And if anybody wants to have a look at it online, it's livetoowoomba.com.au.
Well, what a magnificent achievement this is. Year 10, grammar school student Shafuddin Anan. He's just 15. He's made history. Uh, he's recently won the title of the Under-18 Queensland Junior Chess Championship. And it's the first time in four decades since a player from regional Queensland took that out. Uh, it's an extraordinary accomplishment. He joins me for breakfast this morning. Uh, Shafuddin, congratulations. Thank you. Oh, now, how old were you when you first started playing chess? Um, so I knew how to move the pieces from very early on because my dad is a chess player. Yes. But I seriously got into playing tournament chess when I was in grade five. So how old were you when you beat your dad for the first time? Um, I was about 12 or 13, I think, when I had my first win against him. Wow. So but I'm assuming that you would have played him a lot of times through those years leading up to that that took you that long. <laughs> Surprisingly, I didn't actually play him much. Because oh, okay. Because I, I was too weak for him like when I was little. But then yes. when I started getting stronger, we played occasionally. And um, yeah. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? It, it might be a little bit old for you, but are you familiar with the, the television show that a lot of people really took to recently? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the show. It's, okay. a, it's a pretty good show. Yeah. It is a great story. I, but in that, uh, there was, you know, the, the way in which that young woman was portrayed as playing, is she could really visualise the, the whole game before she even started moving pieces. Is that how it unfolds for you? Or do you is it is it move by move? Or are you looking three and five and ten moves in front all the time? So usually it really depends on the position and the situation, but if we do need to, we can calculate to like five, six moves ahead. So do you play to a specific style? I mean, I'm I'm very uneducated on chess and I apologise for my ignorance about the game. I, I love watching it, but I, I have very little clue on these uh, all these different styles and there's great masters over the years that mastered specific moves and there's different countries and regions and so forth. Uh, do you play to a specific style or do you sort of just make it up as you go along? So usually players do tend to one type of style, but I try to avoid that and just try and play the best move in the position. Ah, so you're sort of playing what you're seeing uh, at the time, not setting yourself to, I'm going to move this then and, and do it. You're, you're changing that as you go along. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm trying to just play the best move in the position, avoid styles and just play objectively sort of. That is fantastic. How much uh, practice goes into this? How, how much uh, time do you spend per week uh, practicing what your game? So usually during school days, I do an hour every day. Yes. And during the weekends or holidays, I do about three hours a day. That is wonderful dedication. There's no doubt about that. And when you're practicing, can you just can you practice just on your own or do you have to have an opponent or can you sort of set up the board and think, right, if this happened, I'm going to do this and you, can, and you sort of practice yourself? Yeah, so a lot of my training is just individual. Yes. So what I do is I solve a lot of puzzles from books and online ah. stuff. And that just keeps your analytical thinking rolling along? Yeah, pretty much. It just keeps you sharp. And it's very important with puzzles that you do it consistently and not just once every now and then. Fantastic. So what's the next goal for you? I mean, obviously, the, the ultimate goal, I'm assuming, is to become a grand master down the track. Uh, yeah. how, how early before you could possibly achieve that? Um, to be a grand master, that would be a long time. Uh, okay. still, because the road's still very long. But yes, I'll try and take it game by game, move yeah. by move, and see what happens. So what's the next goal then? Is it to win an, a national championship? Um, yeah, so next year, I think in January, I have the Australian Junior uh, National Championships. So 
that one's probably the next goal for me. Well, good luck to you, mate. It's absolutely fantastic. It's a it's a stunningly beautiful game to uh, to watch people who know what they're doing play. Uh, do you ever play that that speed chess where you, you you line up against four or five different people and you're just going boom, 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 one to the other? Yeah, I've done that once or twice against like um, the juniors, like yeah. at our schools. So that must be a bit of fun. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, but it's also very tricky. Yeah, so that's right. Keeping track of all the different boards. Keeping track of them all. Oh, it's extraordinary, mate. Well, uh, well done to you. Uh, congratulations on bringing that championship home, and uh, you're a fantastic young fellow, and I really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much. You cannot be serious! That is exactly what many British folk find themselves asking about the process of the law in England following two news stories that have travelled the globe. It's been reported that police want the power to ban football fans who take cocaine at matches over concerns the drug could be driving disorder and violence. Now, I understand the need for some chemical distraction when watching a sport that could end nil all after a hundred minutes of play, but illegal is illegal. You see, England supporters were filmed openly snorting white powder at Wembley and elsewhere in London during the Euro 2020 final. Now, according to Cheshire Chief Constable Mark Roberts, there needs to be changes made that would allow police to impose football banning orders for illegal drug possession. It's illegal. Isn't that enough? And a British cereal pooper has been officially banned from defecating and urinating in any open space in her town after more than two decades of that behaviour. Police Constable Alex Barker said there comes a point when you have to say enough is enough. Now, I'm just a simple lad, but wouldn't that have been the first time she was caught 20 years ago or any one of the subsequent 15 convictions for said public relieving? Oh, and the ban is only in place for five years. So it seems British law is about as effective as our vaccine rollout. Anyway, after all of that, I think it might be time for some ice cream. Brooklyn-based Van Leeuwen Ice Cream has just announced their latest creation, Mac and Cheese. Oh, what? Yes, the quirky company has turned the cheesiness of Kraft Macaroni and Cheese into their ice cream to coincide with National Macaroni and Cheese Day, saying people love ice cream and they love mac and cheese, so why not? Well, I love oysters and I love beer, but I'm not going to blend them together and pretend it's a good idea. You cannot be serious! (laughs) 